25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the West right tight. That's left. 372 Y The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. That's it. That means hour number two has started here on this Wednesday. We called it earlier in the show Hump Day. I like the Humpty Dance. Come on and do the Humpty Hump. Happy Hump Day, everybody. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau Insurance. Local agents, your hometown heroes. That's Farm Bureau. Hey, and speaking of, Tony Joe texted me just a minute ago here on the Country Pleasing text line at 885-ESPN, 885-ESPN. He said, hey, Matt, a couple of things. I am a regular listener. So first, about six to eight months ago, I walked into the Madison Farm Bureau office, cold turkey, switched everything shortly thereafter. (laughs) Old Bob and the folks there at the local Farm Bureau insurance office in Madison, right next to the railroad track. They're right on the track. He said he switched everything shortly thereafter. Great experience so far, and thanks me for the tip. Well, I appreciate the testimonial there, uh, Tony Joe. I know that um, you just can't go wrong with your local Farm Bureau agent. He said, second, so in your transfer scenarios, follow the money, brother, he says. Don't be naive about it. If one got money for transferring, I cannot imagine wins matter to some of these guys. He says, see ya. Well, and, you know, um, I think a lot of people probably at this point in 2020 feel like the, you know, the improper benefits, right? That whole thing of, in terms of inducements to affect a kid's decision here and there. Um, a lot of people feel like that's kind of played out. I, I think that, yeah, it's still against the rules, but I mean, who's enforcing the rules and the rules are you know, not really enforced pretty much anywhere, at least not all the time. And there's just a, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how you point to that and put your finger on all that kind of stuff. I mean, really, it just comes down to where does a kid need to be and where does he feel like he needs to be? Where does he want to be? And what are those reasons? All that kind of stuff. And what I'm saying, Tony Joe, is they have to make their decisions and Schools and programs have to make their decisions and just everybody live with it and roll with it. That kind of stuff happens. You know, would a, would a coaching staff member somewhere take a new job and recruit his former players? Well, yeah. (laughs) 
Of course he would. In fact, most of them would. I don't know about all, but most of them would. Most of them do. Right? I mean, we've... It just happens. Okay? And and I'm just telling you. Um, I'm just telling you. The, the idea that... Just use Mississippi State as an example. Use it as a specific example. The idea that this is not a strange idea. New staff comes in. Immediately, they ramp everything up. Okay? Jack everything up a different level. Everything's faster, tougher, harder to do. Harder, I mean, it's just, it, they do it on purpose. It's a coaching change. Like, I mean, that's what they're all trying to do. And all of a sudden, some players are like, I'm out of here. I've got one year left. I'm out of here. Oh, I've got my whole career left. I don't like it. I'm out of here. I mean, it's very common, very typical. You know, we were talking about Stanford. The the portal giveth and the portal taketh away. See, I mean, we wouldn't like it when a player would transfer out. That rubs us the wrong way. We don't mind it when a player transfers in. That does not rub us the wrong way. Especially when it's a fifth-year senior quarterback who's a projected NFL draft pick, right? Well, let's run over and look. Stanford just had a bad year last year in terms of wins and losses. Um, part of the reason is because their quarterback, <clears throat> who was a returning second-team All-Pac-12 Going to have one more year left, and if he stayed healthy, he was going to bounce to the NFL with, you know, being early entrant in the NFL draft. K.J. Costello gets hurt twice in a year and only played in like six games for Stanford. And they win, what they win, four games last year, five, <clears throat> whatever it was. You realize that since the end of last season, Stanford has had like nine players transfer? I mean, it's just, I think what it is for Mississippi State, uh, around here is that you're not used to it. That hasn't happened a whole lot. My advice to any player, nobody's asking my advice. I've, I've not had any players ask me for advice. If they did, my advice would be simple. Do not ever transfer because the situation you're in is too tough. Answer that question and be honest with yourself. You don't have to answer it with me. Answer it for yourself. Don't ever transfer because a situation is too tough. Or, likewise, because you think another situation is easier. Be honest with yourself. Look in a mirror. And if either of those, if you know, if either of those are the driving force, don't do it. Now, if you have a if you're in a situation where you are in danger, okay, you have a relationship with a superior that is untenable. You are in a situation where things are going on around you that you simply do not ever want to be associated with. Or where you are is too easy. You are not challenged. Then leave. Get. Be gone. Let that be your motivation if you're the player. 
but otherwise don't transfer. That would be my advice. Never transfer because you think it's too tough where you are or because you think it would be easier or a clearer path somewhere else. Don't do that. Now, if you've got negativity going on, which would include it's too easy, you are not challenged, then sure, go. Jason in Flagstaff, country please and text line. I wish I'd known you were playing in Germany. I went right through Frankfurt regularly back then. Yeah, that was, that was in 2000. I was in Hamburg. Made a trip, though, or drove to Frankfurt. We spent one night there, I think. Had some buddies with me on the team, a guy who had played at Central Florida, who I actually played against in college. We were on the same team over there, and <clears throat> another guy who had played at Cincinnati. And uh, we kind of made a road trip. We had like two weeks off in the middle of that year. I had a car the team had given me. It was a Ford, what was it, like a little car, Escort, little Ford is that the name of it, Escort? Or was it Ford something? Focus? I don't know. Anyway, it's normally like a four-door, but I had like a station wagon version of this little car. <laughs> a little five-speed. And man, we put like 1,500, 2,000 miles on that thing in about two weeks. <laughs> we left and didn't come back for two weeks. We left Hamburg and went to, I don't remember the exact trip. It seems like we left there. The first place we drove to was Amsterdam. And then from there, like somewhere we went through Luxembourg, the little bitty country. And then we went to Paris. And then we went to, ah, oh shoot. I don't know. where we, we had a stop in Belgium there for a while. Two different places in Belgium, including Brussels. We went through, we visited that. Wound up in Frankfurt. We went to Switzerland, up into the Alps, just a little bit. Saw one of those big lakes, those big mountain lakes, and then came back out of there. Uh, stopped into a like a um, national parks bathroom up in the mountains where you had to go in and use a bathroom. You had to drop in a quarter like it was a vending machine in order for the door to open and let you in the bathroom. Yeah, stuff like that. Stayed in one of those hotel rooms, uh, Jason, in, um, in France, out in the middle of nowhere in France, where... It's like this hotel sitting out there and nobody works there. There's literally not a single employee on the premises. All it is is rooms. And like there's a vending machine down on the first floor, like on the ground. You walk up to it, you swipe your card or whatever. It takes your money and it spits out a key. You take the key to your room and you go right in. <laughs> and the inside of the room is like bunk beds. And everything was made out of plastic with a drain in the middle of the floor. And you could tell, well, the way they clean this room, they take the beds out and then just spray it down. I stayed in one of those things. I don't even know what you call it. Again, that's been 20 years ago. Fun experience, though. True Maroon says, I think a lot of people forget these are kids. Yeah, I mean, look, I... I just don't have it. There's something about, what is it where I don't connect with or understand our, our fans' passion and emotions over a player coming in or a player going out? I just don't get it. It's why I don't follow recruiting or talk about it, because I can't do it genuinely. I simply don't care. Tell me who's on the roster when practice starts. 
because I guarantee you we're going to have a pretty good roster. And guess what? So will the other 12 football-playing schools in the SEC every year. <laughs> That's like me doing two hours. If I covered recruiting and even post-enrollment uh, recruiting like we're talking about here, for me personally, now not everybody sh does or should see things the way I do. For me, it would feel like doing two hours of radio every day about the weather. Sunshine, partly cloudy. Is it going to rain? I can't believe we've got all this rain. you believe we've got all this rain? I'm sick of all this rain. Well, Matt, what the heck are you going to do about it? I'll tell you what I'm going to do about the weather. Not a doggone thing. Can't do anything about it. The wheels just keep on spinning. All right, here we go. Phone calls on the Divinity Equipment phone line. Divinity Equipment in Madison and in Jackson. Your Kubota dealer first up, Jason in Flagstaff, Arizona. Hey, Jason. Hey. Uh, um, well, I had something else. I wanted to ask what years you were in Germany, but the weather thing kind of grabbed my attention there. <laughs> Yeah, the, the, I was the, there in the, 2000. I was just there that one year. Yeah, came home. And when yeah, I, I was over when there. When I then. came home, um, <clears throat> I immediately got a job, my first job, at the uh, TV station as a sports reporter, yeah. you know, here at WTVA in Tupelo. Yeah. And right after, right after I had signed the deal, like to start work for them, I got a phone call from a coach with a team in Munich, and uh, he, it was someone who he was telling me how he knew Coach Cheryl and had a relationship with him and all this, and they wanted yeah. me to come and play quarterback for them. And I told him that I had made the decision. I was just going to start my working career and be done with it. And I have actually always regretted that, Jason, because as I've gotten older, yeah. I thought, you know, if someone is going to pay you to, as a young, you know, 20s-something to go and live in a yeah. place like Munich, you just go do it. But uh, yeah. anyway, regret, whatever, who cares? Yeah, that's the what, – what was your last day over there? Was it 2001 by any chance? Uh, yeah, it was early 2001. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, we were over there. We went in 2000 to Bosnia, and then we went back in late 2001, right after 9-11. Actually, mm -hmm. we got there right before 9-11. Mm -hmm. And – like I told you before, the mission was completely different the next day. Yeah, I bet. But anyway, we used to travel back and forth to the, to the States. We'd fly through Frankfurt to, to the air base there outside of Frankfurt, and then we'd get on the big airplane in Frankfurt and go through uh, Shannon Island and then fly to New Jersey. Yeah. To, it was awful. Hey, and I'll tell you this, Jason, of all the things that we got to see, um, we visited one – you know, oh, that was one of the smaller concentration camps that was a memorial site. It was actually outside of Hamburg. But we went to we went and toured uh, Nuremberg, which was the Nazi, basically the SS headquarters. It's what Hitler was going to basically turn into their capital. Um, yeah. And you can go and tour that. And as a history person, that was just, I don't know, it yeah. was like it was like incredible and sickening all at the same time. Yeah. yeah. I tell you what, if you ever want to see that, just 
as, as close to Hitler as you're going to get and done within the last 30 years. Go down to Bosnia and go through some of that stuff. Yeah. That, uh, Srebrenica and Banja Luka, they, they didn't fool around with concentration camps. They just yeah. mowed people down. Right, yeah. But the, the weather real fast. Folks yeah. there complaining about the, the rain. We did not get much snow after Christmas, and it hadn't rained a drop. <laughs> really? And we, we, yeah, we've been like in critical fire danger because of the windstorms out here already. For, already for well, the last month then and a half. that means we're going to have them. I mean, because it's it's not even June yet, so at some point yeah. we're going to have those wildfires out there, aren't we? Yeah, we had one last year, and it was the wettest uh-huh. winter in or the eighth wettest and for here that was a buttload of snow <laughs> so, i bet and it's we still had one i could see it from my front porch yeah <laughs> jason uh, i appreciate the call it's always good to hear from you thank you all right thank you Bye-bye. yeah man see you up next take your two arms hold them out straight one on top of the other open them up wide and then slam them shut That's the Gator Chomp. As we welcome in on the Divinity Equipment phone line, Gator Greg. What's up, Greg? Mr. White, it's always great to hear your voice. Uh, I guess the topic is what you had a uh, player uh, transfer in the portal or enter the portal. Yeah, I've had a lot of texts. uh, I've had a lot of texts about it today, Greg. Well, with Ms. White, I guess, you know, what's, what's your thought with, with, the, with, with uh, the, the transfer portal? I, I just uh, got on listening your thoughts on it uh, and, uh, you know, uh, your, at least your experience of what do you feel. I mean, yeah, I like potentially it. talking about. Let, let me just jump right in and just say, Greg, I like the portal. I like the way it works. I like the way it opens things up. Okay. And I'm not into the whole, you know, some people go, yeah, but it opens up for boosters at other schools to illegally, you know, or against the rules, recruit players off rosters, not just high school kids. Okay, fine, whatever. People can have that conversation. I don't care about that. What I I actually like this whole era where, listen, if, if, if anybody on either side of the situation doesn't like something, they have options. Because for me, Greg, if I'm a player on a roster and I like my team and we're going to work this thing into a situation, if you're a player who doesn't like it and doesn't want to be here, then go. You got options. And the, and vice versa the same way. I don't mind any of it, to be honest with you. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm with you, Mr. White. I agree. Maybe it's just maybe uh, some egos and a little pride or maybe the rivalry with the school's if it's like a deal, maybe what I'm thinking, like maybe they think the state guy's going to Ole Miss or if it was, say, mm-hmm. a Florida guy going to FSU or vice versa. To me, you know, like, let's, let's, if it, it, let's, it's about the young man, uh, more so and yeah. what he needs to do. It's a better situation for him academically and also, uh, you know, a chance uh, at playing, uh, football. Uh, look at the great Montez Sweat. Then he start out at Michigan. He transferred to Mississippi State. He's a Michigan first round State. draft pick. Yeah, and then he instead of Michigan State, and then he came to Mississippi State. What happened? He's a NFL, you know, he's an NFL player. Uh, and I don't think anybody had any problem with that. But Miss White, you're doing a doing a great job. Maybe you can do your thing. I heard your great friend uh, Neil Price. 
you can get all the color guys on radio in the SEC. <laughs> you can call Doug Morrow at LSU. You can call, uh, uh, let me see who's the guy. Uh, you can call a, a guy down in Florida. You can call mm-hmm. the guy at uh, Ole Miss. Uh, I don't know who they have doing their football. And y'all could uh, maybe have a little roundtable talk after when we get into June and stuff. But uh, that would be fun. But you, Beaver's be. doing an outstanding job, and we just love you, Mr. White. We love the homecoming queen. Love Mary Liddy. We love uh, my friend Joe White. He, I love listening to him, uh, watching him on Twitter when he when he does say something. He's, he's a very wise man. You have a great day, Mr. White. Thanks, Greg. Yeah, appreciate you too. Thank you for all those kind words. Yeah, um, if y'all missed it, Neil Price, play-by-play announcer, of Mississippi State, uh, my partner on the football games in the fall. On Twitter, he is Hale State Voice, and he recently hosted a roundtable podcast with every other play-by-play announcer from the 13 other SEC schools. So it was all 14 of the radio play-by-play announcers all in one place. And it's a pretty neat thing. You can find the link on Twitter, at Hale State Voice. Uh, had a funny text over here a minute ago. Doggone said, Matt, you're in Mississippi, so you're going to have to explain untenable. <laughs> I said, if the situation is untenable, then get out of there. Uh it's uh, the definition of untenable is not able to be maintained or defended against um, a position or a view. The argument is untenable. It can't be maintained. Well, if the situation just can't, it can't be maintained. We can't survive like this. You can't. I can't. It ain't going to work. Just get out of there. Plenty of players, plenty of schools. Just go. And everybody get over it. Stick around. Back on the show, I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau Insurance across the great state of Mississippi. Here on the show, we also stay connected to you, not just while we're on the air, but around the clock. I, I stay connected to you by um, just any hour, you know, any hour, morning, night. I may be tweeting, posting, uploading, live streaming. Here at home, at a ball game, whatever. I do all that because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. Cspire.com. I have a phone from C Spire, service from C Spire, 4G LTE coverage everywhere I go in the state of Mississippi. C Spire, the best coverage with the number one network. All right. I mentioned this show, this old classic show. I mentioned it last week. I think Beaver and I talked about the fact that. We discovered that it's on Netflix. Here's a little history for you. Y'all remember it, no doubt. And it may be the most iconic music for any TV show ever. Anyway, this day, May the 20th, 1993, the final episode of Cheers aired. Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Start a little slow. Cheers, it aired on NBC. Now, the show debuted in September of 1982. Went 
till 93. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And, you know, again, I think I've kind of like reached an age. I appreciate so much of the humor so much more than I did trying to watch that show when I was younger. <laughs> I mean, because it was on when I was a kid, you know. I didn't like it then. But now, going back and watching it on Netflix is fantastic. People ask me, you know, about this diet stuff. Well, part of it is like every night I do a short, little small, little uh, lower body workout in front of the television in one of the rooms and I just put it on Cheers. I watch these old episodes of Cheers and it's just a fantastic show. You can see why it was so popular uh, back then and was just for so long. That's not the only one on this day. So Cheers ended on this day, May the 20th, 93. Three years later, the final episode of Fresh Prince aired. Same now network. This is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down. And I'd like to take a minute, just sit right there. I'll tell you how I became the prince of a town called Bel Air. All right, Beaver, I guarantee you, you know the words to this song, the intro of the show, don't you? Yes. You want to try it with it? Oh, brother. West Philadelphia, born and raised on the playground where I spent most of my days. Chilling out, maxing, relaxing, all cool, all shooting some b-ball outside of school. When a couple of guys who were up to no good started making trouble in my neighborhood. I got in one little fight and my mom got scared. She said, you move with your auntie and uncle in Bel-Air. This is fantastic. That is plenty. I, you do, you're, you're out of breath. You don't need to do any more, Beaver. Just a big, fat round of applause. Gracious alive, that's impressive. Why is that particular song one of those things that gets in your head and you never forget it? I, you know what? I never really analyzed that, but it's true. You never <laughs> it's, forget it. It's just some songs like the, the words are stuck there forever. You'll be on your deathbed someday. And if you need to, you can quote that song. You'll be able to pull it up. I'm telling you, it was a great show. Hadn't seen it in a long time. All right, there's your TV nuggets for today. What do you think about those? Cheers. Um, I, I encourage you to watch Cheers. All right, here we go. Back over to the text line sports. Let's do it. Country pleasing sausage. The best country pleasing on grocery store shelves throughout the southeast. Country Please and text line, 885-ESPN. You want to text the show? I'll read it on the air, 885-ESPN. Tony Joe said, go Beave. Wasn't that awesome? The man nailed it. And I'm talking spur of the moment. Y'all, listen, I mean, you don't need a behind the scenes on this, but some things on radio are planned ahead of time and talked about ahead of time. I hadn't mentioned that to Beaver at all. It was totally spur of the moment for him, and boom, nailed every lyric. Musicians can do that. You know, Bieber is a musician. They can do that. They have this ability to remember words to songs. It's, it's always fascinated me because I can't do that. All right. Anthony from Tupelo on the text line says, One good thing about having Mike Leach as head coach, he's always got every ounce of players' potential out of them. He's taken a lot less talented players and competed with teams that have more talent. His whole career as a head coach, uh, he's done that. He says, even when he was a 
co-ed at Kentucky, <laughs> he was being coordinator at Kentucky, uh, he, he got the most out of his players. Listen, and that is true. That is true. He went to Texas Tech and um, put a whole bunch of quarterbacks in the NFL. Michael Crabtree and some, some receivers in the NFL went to number two in the country or whatever. They're beating Texas and had no business doing it. None whatsoever. You can't recruit anybody to Lubbock, Texas. That's what they said about it. Well, they figured out some stuff there. Okay. And then Pullman, Washington, Washington State, right? Just a complete afterthought. Automatic win if it's on your schedule. Outside of when Ryan Leaf was there in, in the 90s. But, um, yeah, what did, I mean, what did they recruit? Nothing. They're up there winning nine, ten games over the course of three or four years. and They get the most out of them. Okay, and I'm going to say this, and you go, well, Matt, you're a state guy. Yep, I am. So, like it or lump it, I don't care. One of the things that you'll hear Mike Leach say, again, he's already said it. I've heard it. I've read it. They have repeated it because it is true. And I've seen some stuff with my own eyes. One of the things you will hear him say is, my teams, our teams, one characteristic is they have always played really, really hard. Think about that for a second. His teams at Texas Tech, his teams at Washington State, those Kentucky teams that he and Mummy coached. I know Mummy was the head coach. But think about it, right? I mean, it fits. It is true. They'd have that reputation of, man, they just play so hard and so fast. They just never even, they never take a breath. They never allow you to take a breath. They just push you to the limit every time you step out there. Well, that's true. Okay, let me ask you another question then. Be honest. Answer this question, whether you're a state fan or not. Would you describe the team at State the last two years the same way? Man, they just play so hard. No, you wouldn't. Wait a minute, Matt, are you saying they didn't give great effort? I am not saying that at all. At all. Part of teams earning the reputation that, boy, they just play so hard, they just really get after you. Well, part of that is the effort is cohesive. They are on the same page. They know what they're doing. And that speaks to consistency week in and week out. They, if you get a reputation, a team gets a reputation of their hard nose. Well, it's an every week thing. They don't turn it on and off. And see, with State the last couple of years, they turned it on and off. You know, year one, they spent half the year being totally confused on offense. Um, and then, you know, even even last year, you know, there were times where really on both sides of the ball, despite the great players, you'd go, well, at times they didn't, you know, they'd play hard, and at times they didn't. Right? Like, I mean, you just wouldn't have described them that. You would not describe them that way the last couple of years. Well, let's go one step further, and then we'll drive the point home. Teams that that 
you know, have that cohesive effort. They know what to do and they get the reputation of playing hard. They only get there by training in a certain way year round. That's the only way it happens. And on the other side of that coin, teams that don't have the reputation of playing hard and having a cohesive effort consistently, they get there and they get in that position because they too have a reputation for the way they train year round. Frankly, it's just not enough, not good enough. That's why they are in that position. So what I'm telling you is, you know, as a, through the, my maroon glasses that I have on, um, what they are doing and the way they approached it before the coronavirus stuff hit, it's not for everybody. Listen, I'm just telling you, it's not for everybody. It's not going to be for everybody. Anthony, you're telling me, well, past Mike Leach teams and stuff have had this reputation of, he says they have a reputation of playing really hard. And, and you say the reputation of getting the most out of players' potential. Well, part of that is you, you, a lot of your roster has kids who feel like they got something to prove. So they take the coaching. And you coach them so hard, you see if you can run them off, and they still won't run off because they want to do it. They want to prove that they can do it. <laughs> There's just a certain level of everything that it fits some people and it doesn't fit others. And over the course of time, you figure out who's what. That's just the way it works. We'll wrap it up with you next. I'll get to your texts. Talk a little baseball real quick. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. On the show. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Tyler texted the show in the country pleasing text line. He said, T-Buck, that would be Terrell Buckley, who was the Mississippi State cornerbacks coach, who now is the Ole Miss cornerbacks coach, uh, was a beloved position coach. Did MSU fans think there would be zero fallout with current players? MSU is lucky there wasn't more. And there may be more. Like I said, I've looked around you know, there are lots of schools who go through eight, nine, ten transfers a year. It's just kind of, I mean, it's just, it's part of it. We might as well get used to it. Frankly, the, the more rungs on the ladder that your football program climbs, the more you will deal with transfers in and out. It's the way it is. Green Ochre says, why does Leach never hire Mummy at this point? That's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. Um, Miko says uh, they can have the DBs and other defensive players will outscore them. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we always kind of, everybody, in some ways, we always want what we don't have. In other ways, we always like what we have. <laughs> I kind of, you know, if, you've, if you're a program who's always kind of prided yourself on defense, it's fun to think about priding yourself on offense for a change. You know, how quickly it comes together, we shall see. 
And Anthony from Tupelo says, Nick Saban has always said one of the first thing he tells a recruit is that game days will be the easiest day of the week. Look, and everybody out there is trying to follow that model that, um, you know, practice has got to be made more difficult than the games. But it's not just practice either. You know, the physical part of it, the way you demand everything physically, mentally, in workouts, all that kind of stuff. Anthony also said that um, Dusty uh, Dvorak, who's a former player at Oklahoma, he's an analyst now on television, said that Texas Tech was the toughest, most physical team that he had to play against when he was at Oklahoma. They had those reputations. And look, you just don't get that um, without frankly, having a bunch of drill sergeants walking around. It's the way it is. Um, somebody on the text line says, you practice like you perform and vice versa. <laughs> right. Perform like you practice. And then um, <clears throat> someone said, I always thought you would have been a good coach, Matt, your thoughts. Well, yeah. Um, the first major that I got in, Teaching and coaching, you know, my first year in college, I thought, yeah, I'm going to coach. And I just changed my mind. I was more interested in hunting and fishing than I was football. (laughs) And so I thought, well, I'm going to get into media so that I can do hunting and fishing shows and write for hunting and fishing magazines and do my own photography and stuff. And um, I even had, while I was in school, I had an article um, I wrote and provided f- pictures that I took for an article that I had published in Bassmaster magazine. I thought it was the coolest thing that had ever happened to me. You know I mean, and I'm a guy who I was not great by any stretch, but I got to play in the SEC. I even threw a touchdown or two. And I still thought getting an article published in Bassmaster magazine was the coolest thing that had ever happened. And they sent me a check for like, I don't know what it was. There's more money than I'd ever seen at the time. It was like 500 bucks or something. <laughs> I thought, this is the best thing ever. And then I, the more research I did, the more I thought about it, the more I looked, the more I talked, even talking to the people who were the publishers at Bassmaster, I realized you can't make a living doing this. <laughs> you can't do, I can't make a living doing just this. I'd have to do all kinds of other stuff too. And all of my classes in... Um, and uh, the communications major were geared towards writing for radio and writing for television and writing for print and writing, writing, writing. And, you know, just one thing leads to another. It's funny how that happens. But I, but part of the reason I got away from the major anyway and thought I don't want to coach is I grew up a kid who we moved around my whole life as a kid growing up. My dad was a pastor. We didn't live in any one place very long. I think the longest we lived in one place during my childhood before I went to college, you know, living at home was we lived in Russellville, Alabama for about six and a half, seven years. And then other than that, we just kind of moved around a lot. And so I thought, well, if you're in high school, you're going to have to move around a lot. I don't want to do that. If you coach in high school, I thought, well, I'll do college. Well, heck they move more. I started paying attention to our coaches in college. Like they, none of them stay anywhere for three years four years max and the college coaches you drive by the coaching building 
year round, the lights are on in there at midnight. They never see their family. Okay, they make big bucks. Some of them do, but they never see their family. And they have to recruit. I'm not going to recruit. So the number one reason I thought, I ain't no way I'm going to coach in college is because I don't have the stomach for recruiting. <laughs> don't want any part of it. So could I coach X's and O's? Get a group of guys to believe the right stuff and work at it the right way and let's all get it together and get it in the end zone? Sure, but I can't deal with all the other crap. <laughs> It comes along with it. Don't want to deal with it. Now I get to talk about it and sound like an expert and just try to convince you that I am one. Hey, where's that baseball song I was going to hit? Because I had a couple of baseball things I was going to throw you. Here it is. What do you think about this story? This is one of those songs, if I were streaming it on Facebook, they'd mute it. Like, you don't own that song? Yeah, well, get over it. Here's a headline for you. Minor league baseball teams are selling concession stand foods to go. The headline says, because we could all use a, a tiny helmet filled with ice cream right now. <laughs> Sing along. Come on. Around the third and headed for home. It's a brown Your typical minor league baseball game lacks the kind of atmosphere you'd normally be treated to if you attended one featuring major league players. Obviously. But Right now, around uh, minor league baseball, here's an example. You can go and get the experience of the food from a minor league park. The Richmond Flying Squirrels. That's another thing about minor league stuff that's always interesting. Uh, Richmond, Virginia. The Richmond Flying Squirrels. Int they tweeted this. Introducing Funville Foodie Friday. Starting this week, the squirrels will have ballpark food available for curbside pickup. It says, with Funville Foodie Fridays on deck at the Diamond. So you go to the ballpark, drive through, pick it up. The Fort Wayne Tin Caps tweeted, we will have family, we, we still have family five meal kits available for Memorial Day weekend with pickup at the ballpark. Let's say avoid the meal prep and receive five meals of Parkview Field fan favorites for only $185. That better be a lot of food, Fort Wayne 10 caps. I like it, though. Give me that helmet with ice cream in it. Tell me something better than that. Ball game food. You can't. It does not get better than that. Period. End of story. On this day in 2006, Barry Bonds of the Giants tied the babe. Barry Bonds, deep drive, right field, 7-14. It happened nine miles across the bay, not in San Fran, but here in Oakland. And Mike, how he got here and who the man is, those are discussions for some other time. Today, it's only the matter of what he has done. 
I don't know how he got here, but he tied him. That's what the announcer said. 29 at-bats without a homer. Barry Bonds finally caught Babe Ruth with 7-14 on this day in Oakland, 2006. And on this day in 2010, the Braves were trailing the Reds 9-3 in the bottom of the ninth. They came all the way back and won it on a walk-off grand slam. Knicks at the wall, leaps, hits off his glove, hits a grand slam, and the Braves win it! Conrad thought he caught the ball, Chip. I think it went off Nix's glove. I've been to two rodeos and three goat ropers, but I've never seen anything like that. I've been to two rodeos and three goat ropings, and I've never seen anything like that. Well, Joe Simpson, I don't think I've ever heard anything like that on a Major League broadcast. <laughs> it barely got over the wall, the 380 sign. Yeah, Lance Nix, the guy out there, the outfielder, thought he'd caught it. The, the guy who hit the thing, too, Brooks Conrad for the Braves, he thought he caught it. They were down 9-3, to bottom of the ninth, came back and won it. With seven runs, including that grand slam, and won at 10 to 9, bottom of the ninth inning, a seven run ninth. Ah, to have baseball. Maybe the Players Association will get off their rump and give us something to watch. For Beaver, I'm Matt. Everybody here on the show, thanks for joining us in the Farm Bureau studio. See you tomorrow. See ya.